Hey, this is Dan Kogan. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Family in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today and let you know you matter to us because you matter to God. Enjoy the message. So they called out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us perish because of this man's life and don't charge us for this innocent man's blood for you, Lord. You have done just as you please. And they picked up Jonah and they threw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. Father, I pray that you bless your word to our hearts on this day. Uh, For your glory, amen. Just as a way of of, uh, bringing you up to speed and remembering where we were, uh, Jonah received a word from the Lord, and that word was, you got to go to Nineveh, and you got to preach against that city because its wickedness has come up before me. A lot of stuff going on when God says that. One of the main things that goes on is that God's aware of the whole world all at one time, not just our lives and our people and people like us, but everybody, even the Ninevites. And the Ninevites were terrorist, awful people. There were, in, in terms of what they did to other people, what they did to their own people, just, just the, the brutality and the ugliness, uh, they, they were at the top of the list. There was nothing that they wouldn't do. And so they were completely uh, among the most absolutely un- <laughs> uncaring, ungodly people on the face of the earth. I mean, they would torture people. They would do the most cruel, inhumane things to people in every sense of the word. And yet God says to Jonah, of all the places that you need to go, you need to go there because I'm aware of them and I, I want you to preach to them. Jonah has nothing to do with that. He doesn't want to do it. So he runs from the presence of the Lord. And we talked the last couple of times we've been together that, you know, you and I think, well, you know, I'm not, God's not called me to go to Nineveh. Well, we know what God's, we know what God's called us to do. It's in, it's in his word. If you're a follower of Jesus, first and foremost, you're to what? You're to love your neighbor as yourself. You're to love your enemies. Husbands, you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Do we do that? Or do we sometimes act like Jonah and say, well, I, you know, I, that's a pretty high bar. I'm not going to do, you know, I'm not going to love all these people. I'm not going to be that way all the time. I'm not going to have that level of commitment. Well, in that sense, we're being just like Jonah because Jonah received a word from the Lord and he decided to ignore it. Don't raise your hand. But have you ever received a word from the Lord in his word and decide to ignore it? Doesn't really apply to me. I'm better than most people. Who's perfect? I can't do everything, so I just sort of cafeteria, I pick and choose the things I want to follow. That's what Jonah did. If God told Jonah to go to Judea and preach, he would have, but he didn't want to go to Nineveh, and he had good reason not to want to go. They were awful, terrible people who who deserved whatever punishment they were going to get in Jonah's mind. But Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa. He's going to find a ship, right? And we always said that when you run from God, Satan always provides a boat. There's always a boat nearby to escape. There's always something that Satan will provide to get your mind and your heart away from God, whether it's, whether it's your career, whether it's finances, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's pornography, whether it's an illicit relationship, whatever it is. If you want to escape and get away, God will always provide a boat there. Or excuse me, Satan will always provide a boat there. For you to escape. It's amazing. When he went down there, it wasn't hard to find one at all. There was one just right there waiting on him. He didn't have to 
didn't have to use the internet and call ahead and get a ticket or anything. It was just, it was just right there. How convenient. So he goes down there and he gets in the boat. The terrible storm comes. You know the story. Such a terrible storm that the sailors realize they're not going to live through this one. So they start throwing the cargo overboard. And so when sailors throw cargo overboard, that's the last thing. I mean, that's why they... That's why they're mariners, to make money. So now they're not going to make any money on this trip. They're just worried about saving their lives. They're all crying out and praying to their own gods, but Jonah is sound asleep down in the bottom of the boat. And again, when you and I determine we're going to be disobedient and not live the way Jesus wants us to live according to his plan for our lives, we're going to bring storms and chaos onto everybody we touch. It's not just us. So those men in that boat... It wasn't their disobedience, but they were caught up in Jonah's storm. Jonah, for the first time, but not the last in the story, is willing to die rather than be obedient. (laughs) When we start down this road of disobedience, it's amazing how far we go, how quickly. And so Jonah is absolutely prepared to die rather than to be obedient. We are so broken and sinful by nature. Now, Jonah knew who God was. God knew who Jonah was. In that, in that sense, Jonah, Jonah had faith in God. He had faith that God would one day provide a Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Jonah was a child of God based on his faith in God and his faith that God would provide a Savior. Those characters of the Old Testament are, 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 are redeemed by their faith in the Savior yet to come. We're redeemed by our faith in the Savior who has come. So Jonah knew God. God knew Jonah But Jonah still determined on this particular instance, he wanted nothing to do with what God wanted him to do. And even though he was a child of God, he ran from God and he brought the storm on himself. And even though he was a child of God, he became so absolutely obstinate in his disobedience that he refused to even consider repenting. He would rather die than repent. Whether Before you begin to think that's really outrageous, I'm... It's not. The adversary, Satan, really works with our minds and warps our hearts and makes us think that real joy is only going to be found in doing what I want to do, following my plan, not what God wants me to do. And yet it's so obvious that that what God wants for us is our joy. When I was at Warnell, a lot of times we would say that, you know, our church, we, we seek to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission. Great commandments to love your neighbor as yourself, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the great commission is to make disciples of all people across the world. And we would say we desire to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission, listen, for God's glory and for our joy. There is joy in obedience. There is happiness in obedience. Listen, folks, you're never going to regret the decision to be obedient and follow Jesus. You're never going to have a day you wake up, man, I wish I wasn't following Jesus today. Man, I wish I hadn't been obedient yesterday. You'll never regret following Jesus. You will always regret running from him. And yet, Satan convinces us, and, and just as he convinced Adam and Eve in the garden, you don't really think God doesn't want you to know everything. You don't really think God doesn't want you to eat that tree. And so Satan provided the boat 
Jonah got in it. The storm came. And Jonah's ready to die. Not a happy place. So the verse we read this morning, out of frustration and having tried everything else, they reluctantly pick up Jonah and they plead, Lord, don't hold this man's death against us. And they throw him into the sea. And the sea stopped its raging. Hang on to that for a minute. We're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute. Now, Jonah, you and I know that he's not dead. He didn't know that. He figured as soon as that water crossed his face that he was never going to see daylight again and he was never going to breathe the air again and he was going to die. That's where disobedience and sinful living leads to. It leads to that kind of hopelessness and helplessness. But God wasn't finished with him yet. In verse 17, the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Look, there, there is, you go, wow, could that really be? I'm sorry, God made the whole universe. He spoke it into being. I think he can do about anything he wants. You go, well, that can't really be. How could that? Just, you know, you're not God, all right? How do you know? How do I know? I do know that we're going to read in a minute in the book of Matthew, Jesus knows this story was true. So I'll tell you what. If Jesus t- speaks that this story really happened, I think I'm going to believe the story really happened. And by the way, there isn't, the, 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 the scripture says there isn't, there isn't a star in the sky that God didn't create and name and hold in place by his mighty power. God knows every hair on your head, and he knows when a sparrow falls from its nest. There's no difference in God's heart and God's mind whether he directs the path of a minnow or the largest fish in the Mediterranean. God can do it all. And that's part of what we're seeing here, how foolish it is for you and I to believe that our own will and our own desires can somehow or another circumvent the God of the universe who holds everything in power, by his, everything in place by his mighty power and can even control a fish in the, in the Mediterranean that can swallow up a man. So just give it up and love Jesus. Save us all a lot of trouble, Jonah. Save you a lot of trouble. So the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of fish three days and three nights. Jonah knew, and you and I know, Jonah was going to get out of the fish. Jonah didn't know that. As I said last time, day one, Jonah didn't know it. Day two, Jonah didn't know it. He didn't know he was ever going to get out of that fish. And he realized there was something worse, perhaps, than death. And it was being in the belly of a fish in the Mediterranean. And so in chapter two, Jonah prayed. A very unusual prayer. I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out from deep inside Sheol, and you heard my voice. You threw me in the depths into the heart of the sea, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I have said I've been banished in your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountain. The earth gate shut behind me forever. Then... You raised my life from the pit, O oh God. As I was fading away, I remembered the Lord. That's how we know Jonah was a true child of God. 
even in complete disobedience, just like the prodigal who was still the son, even in the pigsty, even he knew he was his father's son. Sometimes the greatest lesson in life we will learn will be in the pigsty or in the belly of the fish when we finally get to the place that God has placed us, that we have nowhere else to go except to him. I'm going to tell you, sometimes the best place you can be in life is when everything has been blown away and you realize nothing in your life left that matters except Jesus and that Jesus is really all that matters. One of the greatest struggles we have in 21st century Western culture is we have so much stuff. We never, most of us, the vast majority of us, never wonder where our next meal is coming from, never wonder where we're going to spend the night, never have any, we have more options than we could ever imagine. And Jesus made it abundantly clear to his disciples, you know, wealth is not particularly a good thing to have because wealth makes it very difficult for you to see the kingdom of God. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man of great wealth to see the kingdom of God. Why is that? Well, when Jesus encountered that rich young ruler, he had everything. Jesus said, you want to have eternal life, you've got to get rid of everything. You've got to trust me. You've got to love me more than anything else. You've got to take everything you have and give it who? To the poor. Oh, my goodness. Had he said, give it to the temple, maybe the rich young man would have. But give it to the poor? He couldn't do that. He didn't do that. He went away. He didn't do that. He was so encumbered with wealth and comfort, he couldn't imagine his life without it. And it wasn't until Jonah realized, I got nothing left. I'm in the belly of a fish, for goodness sakes. And he cried out. He looked once again toward the temple. And he realized all that really mattered was God. I could tell you and you could tell me in numerous testimonies of people who said, it's when I lost everything that I really found who Jesus was. I really found what mattered in life. And that was what happened to Jonah. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then verse 10 of chapter 2, then the Lord commanded the fish and it spit Jonah up on the dry land. Jonah was done with Jonah. The sailors were done with Jonah. The fish was done with Jonah. But Jonah, no, God wasn't done with him. And I, I, look, if you're a child of God, God's not done with you. You and I have, can made, have made tremendous mistakes in our life. We have, we have disobeyed. We have been disobedient. And yet, if we are truly repentant, as Jonah was, God is not done with us. And he still has a plan for us. So chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Get up, go to the end of the great city and preach the message I tell you. And Jonah went up. And he did. And I'm going to talk next week about that. But I want to move over, while we have time remaining, to the New Testament. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 12. It's an amazing story in Matthew 12 that touches and connects back to Jonah. All right? We'll look next week at at how Jonah, if the Lord wills, and, and we all return. We'll look next week at what he did in Nineveh. But let's look at what Jesus says about this story. Now, let me set this up in chapter 12. Chapter 12 deals with something, some really challenging and difficult things that Jesus has to say. 
Chapter 12 is where we learn about something called the unpardonable sin. In chapter 12, Jesus, I'll just make this quick. You can read it. Read it for yourself. Don't trust me. Read, read, read the whole chapter this week. But in chapter 12 of Matthew, Jesus, he heals a man who is, who's been demon-possessed. And so the people there say, well, it, this has got to be the Christ, the Son of God. The demons, he's healed this demon-possessed man. The Pharisees, who, who really found joy and, and, and fulfillment in, in their own righteousness. Anybody here know somebody like that? They found their joy and fulfillment in being better than everybody else, in their legalism, in, taking, in, in obeying more rules, obeying more laws, and finding themselves superior. They found, their, they found their purpose and their justification in life in being better than everybody else. That's, that, was, that was what they were. And they were, they were not joyful people <laughs> and not people you wanted to be around. But before we're too quick to say that we're not like that, we're just like that. How many times do we compare ourselves to what we would call the dregs of society and say, well, at least I'm not like that? Anyway, I don't have time to get into all that. So here's, here's the Pharisees, all right? So, so here's what happened. It, 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 many times when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees, they get into disagreements, and, and, and Jesus just, just kind of, he says the truth, and he walks away. But this time, something different has happened. This time, the people there have said, this, this, this has to be the Christ. He's, he's cast this demon out. And the Pharisees say, no, 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 he's not of God. He is of Satan. Okay, they've just turned a corner here. They're not ambivalent about Jesus. Now they're saying that Jesus is actually Satan. Jesus says in verse 31 of chapter 12, Therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven of every sin and blasphemy, except blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now listen to this. Either in this age or the one to come. Well, that ought to get our attention. There's a, there's a lot of sense in the world that we can be neutral about Jesus. Just, you know, well, it's okay if you want to believe in him, but I really don't, so I'm just going to wait. It's not what it says. You're either with him, as he makes that abundantly clear later in the text, or you're against him. There is no in-between. In the words of the great theologian, uh, <laughs> Bob Dylan, you're going to serve somebody. It will be the devil or it will be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. And when your life ends, if you're not with him, you're against him, and there'll be no redemption. And so what happens here is Jesus says very plainly, Okay, there, there, there's a decision to be made. Either, either you believe what I say and who I am, or you don't. And if you don't, then there will be in eternity no forgiveness. And then he goes on in verse 38. 
So some of the scribes weren't done. They said, well, we want to see a sign from you. He'd just done, he'd done all these miracles anyway. Well, we want to see another sign from you. And so this is what he said in verse 39. And again, this isn't a sermon on the unpardonable sin. We may do that if I stay here long enough later. But in verse 30, but he, I wanted to set that up to show you the seriousness of what Jesus was talking about to these Pharisees. He's basically saying that there comes a line where if, if, you, if you deny who I am, if you deny the Holy Spirit's conviction of who I am, there is no salvation for you. And so then they say, well, show us a sign. And in verse 39, he said, what an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. I love this. Check this out. For Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish. See, I've made these things connect. You were wondering. Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish for three days and three nights. Look, the Bible is primarily not a book about you and me. It's not a book about how you and I. It's not about us. The book, the Bible is a book all, you ready for this? This is, write this down. Don't ever forget it. It's life-changing. The Bible, from Genesis 1 to the map in the back, is a story about Jesus. It's all about him. Jesus is a greater Moses. Jesus is a greater Abraham. Jesus is a greater Noah. Jesus is a greater Jonah. Jesus is a greater David. All of those things point to who he is. So the idea that Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, come on. Think that's an accident? No. I mean, these Pharisees knew the Old Testament. They knew the story of Jonah. They're saying, send us a sign. Jesus says, a sign? You want a sign? All right, listen. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days Three nights. You think Jonah was really in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights? That's nothing compared to a man who was dead for three days and three nights and came out of the grave, and we all believe that. Of course I do. It was a foreshadowing. Do you realize? Don't lose sight of this fact. Do you realize that when, when the, when, <laughs> I, I've got to believe that, that when the, the story of Jonah became known to the Ninevites. I mean, come on. Here's the guy who gets thrown into the sea. I mean, those sailors are going to tell everybody, right? You're not going to not tell people that story, for goodness sakes. The sea was raging. The boat was breaking apart. This guy said he was running from the one true God. We didn't want to do it, but the minute his body hit the water, it was like glass. And we made vows, and our life has never been the same. Can I just tell you that the sacrifice of Jonah stopped the raging of the sea? Can I just tell you that the sacrifice of Jesus stopped God's wrath on you and me? These things are not disconnected. You don't understand Jonah until you understand Jesus. And you know that the people of Nineveh, 
I mean, this big, how many times does a big old fish swim right up on the shore outside of Nineveh and spit up a live human being? Why in the world do you think that this Hebrew, who they hated, shows up in their town, this huge city we'll read about next week, walks around and says one thing. What's he say? He doesn't say, God has a wonderful plan for your life. He says, 40 days and Nineveh is gone. Why did they listen to him? Because he came out of a fish, for goodness sakes. I'm going to listen to anybody that goes through that. And so what Jesus is saying is, you evil and perverse generation. Listen to what he says. The men of Nineveh, verse 41, who repented. I'm getting ahead of myself for next week. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment There's another sermon there. (laughs) There's going to be a judgment for all of us. Ain't none of us getting out. And if you don't have the blood of Christ covering you, if you don't have your confession of sin, you will not stand a chance at the judgment. The men of Nineveh, Jesus says, will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at at Jonah's preaching. And look, Jonah was just alive in the belly of the fish for three days. You have someone here far greater than Jonah. I'm the God of the universe. I'm the one who created this whole thing. And then verse 42, this is a little little less clear, but I can clear it up for you because that's what I do. The queen of the south will rise up with judgment on this generation and condemn it. Because she came from the ends of the earth to hear wisdom of Solomon. And look, someone here, he, he's talking about his kingship. And Solomon was a great king. And, and, and the queen of Sheba and others came from all over the world to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he's saying, basically, people from every corner of the globe are going to come and hear what I had to say. Which is what exactly has happened. Christianity has spread all over the world. But you, you perverse generation, you refuse to hear me. And I'm right here in front of you. And sure enough, Jesus died. He was in the ground, in the tomb, three days and three nights. He came forth like Jonah, and he preached. And for all who repent, as Nineveh did, there is grace to be found. What a great story. What a great truth. What a great way to conclude this morning. As we realize the glorious truth that our Lord, as Jonah was thrown into the sea and the sea stopped its raging, when Jesus died on the cross and was thrown in the tomb, Satan was defeated. And, and, and in this passage where, where the Pharisees say, look, he's not of God, he's of Satan, this is where Jesus says, how stupid is that? Why would Satan cast out Satan? This is where the 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 scripture says, how can a house divided against itself still stand? This is ridiculous. Satan doesn't cast out Satan. God is the one who does that. And yet the Pharisees said, well, give us a sign. Jesus said, even coming forth out of the grave, you're not going to hear. 
this morning two questions. Are you in that sort of thinking you're in a neutral place where you don't really have to make a decision one way or the other? You do. Either what Jesus says is true and he is the redeemer. And let me just say, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Look, some of this I heard from my own pastor in Lenexa, the great pastor, Chad, and he, 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 brought, he brought this part about judges into this, and I want to bring it in because I love it. In Judges chapter 8, Gideon is chasing a couple of Midianite kings. He's going to destroy them. Read it for yourself in Judges chapter 8. He's going to destroy these Midianite kings. But he needs some food, and he needs some sustenance on the way. So he stops at two cities, and he says, will you, will you, will you provide food and sustenance? And here what these, here's what these two cities say. You ready for this? This is what the leaders say. Well, do you have those Midianite kings in your hand? You know what they mean? You know what they mean. Uh, look, if we help you and you don't win, then the Midianite kings are going to come back and destroy us. So we're just going to be Switzerland today. We're just going to be neutral And you know what Gideon says? He says, all right, let me tell you what. I'm going to go, and I'm going to kill the Midianite kings. And I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take care of you. Now, you look at that, and you go, How, what is that in the Bible? What is that all about? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Because so many people today are like those two cities who say, you know, I really don't want to make a choice. I just don't want to make a choice. Well, you know what happened? Or maybe you don't know what happened. Read Judges 8. God gave the Midianite kings to, to, to Gideon. And you know what happened? Gideon went back, and he dealt harshly with the elders of that city. I don't know if that meant he killed them. I think it does. But you can read about it. He dealt harshly with them. You see, listen to me. Jesus is coming back again. One day, that eastern sky is going to open, and he's going to come. Are you ready? He's going to come as king, as judge, as jury. And just just let me tell you, you do not want to be on the wrong side when that happens. Because it will be too late. As Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights and came out and proclaimed the grace of God to Nineveh, and Nineveh repented. So Jesus in the ground, in the grave for three days and three nights, and now for over 2,000 years has proclaimed the grace of God through his church, through his word. And the idea that we can just say, well, show us another sign, or I'm just not ready... This, the whole story of Jonah is a story of warning. The whole, what Jesus is saying here in Matthew is a story of warning, not only to that evil and perverse generation of Pharisees, but to you and to me today. There is a choice we make. Are we going to believe him? Are we going to follow him? Are we going to be obedient to him? Or are we not? So the first question you have to answer this morning, do you believe him? Have you repented have you asked him to be your... Not that you're perfect. None of us are going to be perfect this side of heaven. 
But do you put your faith and your trust in him? Do you believe that he was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and died a substitutionary death and was buried and dead and rose again on the third day and sits ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us? Do you believe on that last day of judgment when all of your sin is going to be there and, you can, and, 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 and it'll be the righteousness of Christ that blots all of that out? It is through the righteousness of Jesus that you'll enter heaven. Do you believe that? Well, if you do this morning, then I'm preaching to myself, why in the world don't we live like it? Why don't we live joyful? Why don't we live expectant? Why don't we live loving? Why don't we live generous? Why do we get so caught up in the junk of this world thinking it'll make us happy, it'll give us purpose and meaning? Our purpose and meaning has been settled at the cross. Our purpose and meaning is in heaven. Our purpose and meaning is in our Savior. Let's live like it. Let's go be petty. Let's don't be argumentative. Let's don't be difficult. Let's be obedient to Jesus. Let's find our joy in him. And if you're here this morning and you've not made that decision, you've not made that commitment, then this is a warning to you, just as it was to those Pharisees, that you must decide, just as Gideon did to those communities and said, are you going to help me? And they said, well, we'll just wait and see. No, you must decide. Is he truly everything he said? If he is, you do not want to be on the wrong side when he comes again. You do not want to be on the wrong side when you breathe your last. (laughs) Just to be sort of lighten up a little bit here. This was time change Sunday, right? So I go by my cell phone. By our bed, my wife still uses one of those ancient digital clocks. Well, she didn't change her clock. So I heard her get up earlier than normal, but I thought, well, that's up to her, whatever she wants to do. She comes in a little bit later. She says, hey, hey, are you all right? I said, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, good. She said, you're going to be late. I'm not going to be late. Yeah, you're going to be late. Goodness, woman. And I showed her the phone, and I said, oh, you said it's time change. I said, yes, and this is what she said. You know you're a picture of health when your wife says this. Good. I kind of thought maybe you died. <laughs> she said that this morning. I go, well, thank you very much. Yeah, make sure you're not dead. It's humorous, but none of us know the day or the hour. And you won't have time after that happens. You breathe your last. That guy crosses the center line on the way home from church today, and you're done. You won't have time. The story of Jonah is a story of obedience for those who love God and are called his children. It's also a story of warning for those that judgment comes to those who don't. That's the same story in the book of Matthew. It's the story of the gospel. So this morning, if you don't know him, Confess your sin, acknowledge your need of a Savior, call out to him, and he will respond. You don't have to save yourself. He will redeem you. He will save you. He will keep saving you. You'll be his child forever. You'll put, a, you'll put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Check this out. He will create a place for you in his house, and he will come again and receive you that at the moment of your death, the angels will carry you right to where he is, and you'll be in paradise for all eternity. You don't need that and a new car to be happy. You just need that. Let's live like that, all right? Heavenly Father, I I pray you take this message. It's kind of all over the page today, but Lord, 
began to put the pieces together in the hearts and minds of those who need to hear it. Lord, help us, hopefully, Lord, we'll see Jonah's story in a different light now, in the light of Jesus and his story, and how it applies to us. We thank you, Lord, that you were compassionate to the Ninevites. As wicked as they were, when they repented, you forgave them and gave them grace. And Lord, that is true for all of us. What a glorious story. For those of us who have repented, we live so much like Jonah. We want to do things our way. There's no happiness there. There's no joy there. There's no Lord, help us return today to the cross to see how much you love us and live according to our call. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to our show so the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready whenever you are. And secondly, if Grace Family has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description and make a donation now. And we'll see you next time on the Grace Family Podcast.